The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. Wrestling to the Max, Monday Night Raw, review. Welcome everyone to Wrestling of the Max's Raw Review for January 15th, 2018, and we are brought to you by W2Mnet.com, the place where you will find all your great wrestling content and a lot more. And please don't forget to go check us out wherever you get your podcasts. Once you do find your podcasting place, make sure you hit that subscribe button over at Wrestling of the Max or the W2M Network, whichever one you choose. Just do that now, and also don't forget to hit that rating button. Make sure you give us those five stars, and also... Leave a comment, review us, and give us your thoughts on the shows. We appreciate everybody that does that on a weekly basis, or whenever you get a chance, we appreciate it. And hey, we got some friends that we want to give some big love to, FormulaMania.com and LastWordOnProWrestling.com. Both great sites, both have great wrestling articles you guys need to go check out. So please, support them because they support us. I, of course, am Gary Vaughn, and along with me is your host, Paul Leeser. hey and Paul, uh, we've got a, a Monday Night Raw coming from everybody in San Antonio, Texas. And uh, you and I preside in the Dallas area. Uh, so not too far from us. It's a little down the road. Uh, but, and I'll just say this, uh, I'm sure they're that thinking they're a lucky. gross st- understatement. <laughs> well, te- uh, yeah, I say a little down the road. It's. You know, what, four hours away, some five? I, I don't even I know. It's How about six. It's, it's a is while. it really? Yeah, it's a drive. Wow. See, and I, it's been a while since I've been to San Antonio, to be honest with you. I think 2005 was the last time I've been to San Antonio, somewhere in that. But, uh, you know, still, I'm glad for them, their sake that they're not up here because it, it's getting pretty darn cold up in our area. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, Braun Strowman probably wouldn't have been able to do half the things he did on this episode if he was out in that cold, I care. It's so. true. <laughs> so anyway four and so a half I, according to google four and a half four and a half see i thought i was close paul see how great i am i'm such a great navigator i mean <laughs> think uh, oh my god i mean see i just need to get that little uh sailboat thing that uh what's her name carries on nxt uh so anyway <laughs> i'm a great navigator apparently and you i didn't crushed even know it, it. buddy <laughs> I, I mean admittedly though if we're in the northeast you're going through three states in four and a half hours so just to put that in perspective <laughs> yeah here in texas i mean we kind of chuckle at people who say oh man we got a three-hour drive you know we're going to be crossing i'm like we can't even get out of our county mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway yeah. all right well enough navigation talk let's get into this raw paul <laughs> Let, let's do it and and let's talk about really maybe one of the best things they've done on raw in a while and that's Braun Strowman coming out talking about what he did last week and how he's ready for the Rumble to basically become the next Universal Champion because, well, he committed manslaughter, I guess for lack of a better term, against Kane and Brock Lesnar last week. Kurt Angle comes out, though, with some security guards, Gary, and he is not pleased. Uh, Actions have consequences. Braun is making an unsafe working environment. So you're fired, Braun. You're out of the Rumble match. You're out the door. Uh, security is going to walk you out the building, and uh, we we know where this is going. Hide your kids, 
hide your wives, hide your husbands, because Braun Strowman's killing everybody what he can get his hands on. These security guards get absolutely annihilated. He's tearing up Kurt Angle's office. He's tearing up backstage. Uh, he goes into production uh, and terrorizes those people and then ends up flipping the, the 18-wheeler truck portion that the, the trailer's attached to. And Kurt's had enough. He finally calls the cops. Uh, and However, this is sort of rescinded later on as Braun comes out to ringside again, grabs Michael Cole, and drags him around the entryway, which got a uh, no shortage of applause from a lot of people <laughs> in San Antonio. <laughs> uh, and Kurt comes out and talks him down says, look, Stephanie's called me. She, she's rehired you. I've called off the police. You're back in the match. Just please don't kill Michael Cole. Uh, and naturally, Braun Strowman decides to chuck him off the stage onto a bunch of security guards. So, <laughs> Cole is out for the rest of the evening. Uh, Braun basically gets to run roughshod over the brain and prove that it doesn't matter if you almost killed somebody. If you keep killing people, they'll keep you around. <laughs> yeah, pretty much right. I mean, that, that's <laughs> the way that you, you get away with things. WWE. As long as you can kill about 65 people, you're okay. You, you, you get your you get job back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, before I talk, Braun Strowman, I have to let the people know I know who I was talking about. NXT's Kyrie Sane was the person I was talking about with the uh, wheel of the, the oh, boat. Oh, yeah. I was like, who has a sailboat? <laughs> yeah, Kyrie Sane. She has so. a steering wheel. You're right. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sorry. I just had to let my geekdom come out. I had a brain fart. I had to tell the people I know who I'm talking about. Okay. So let's talk Braun Strowman and, and how big this thing was with him tonight. I, I like the idea of having Braun Strowman go on a tear. It's actually very entertaining. You, you, you love watching him kill people. That's what you love about him. Uh, you also like watching him take treats away from someone in catering and then the whole crowd popping for that, right? I forgot about the cake thing. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that, that's, it's something great. It's something special. I think it's, it's, it's something that, you know, you enjoy. That's what we saw last week with a grappling hook. People loved it. It reminds you of the Attitude Era. This just reminds you of Bronk Lesnar a couple of years ago, whatever it was, when he went on his rampage, right? This, to me, this mirrored a little bit of that, except, you know, Braun Strowman is a mixture of Brock Lesnar and Mark Henry because he likes to pick up vehicles. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think this was well done. I think they did you know a pretty good job of it. You had a little comedy you had Michael Colgan throwing around, which Jim Ross got his fair share, so why not Michael mm -hmm. Cole, right? Uh, the only thing I don't like about the Michael Cole thing is, is my God, is he that fragile that he can't do the rest of the show? <laughs> I mean, all he got was thrown into a bunch of dudes, and then he was so shaken. Give me a break. Um yeah, so I, I, oh, sorry. You know, that, just, that stage isn't as tall as it used to be. I can kind of see your point. But they always sell that as a big deal, getting tossed off stage. So I, I understood that. And what the heck is Tom Phillips just hanging out there? He works tomorrow, not on Monday <laughs> nights. What, what, he's just there to back up quarterback all of a sudden? I mean, Riding that I don't bench, know. bro. I guess so. I, this is the way it works. Um, uh, you know, I, I, the storyline. Let's go with the storyline, and let's talk about what you were mentioning here. We have Kurt Angle making a call that's very unpopular, uh, not only with the crowd, but very unpopular with his GM, Stephanie. It's kind of a parallel thing. SmackDown's having their issues between commissioner and GM. Uh, but not only that, you, you've got this situation here of, 
is this just the biggest brain fart you can have for anybody? I mean, you're going to fire one of the biggest stars that your brand has, which that means they could go to SmackDown Mm -hmm. just because you don't like something they did, just because, yeah, they cost you a little money. But, I mean, it's just ignorant. And when it first happened, it didn't really – I couldn't wrap my mind around it, Paul. I get it for the story. I get it. I understand why they did it. It it, it makes sense for that part. But still, to me, it lacks some common sense. you got to give me that to fire your biggest star. I I will say that when Roman Reigns basically murdered Braun Strowman, he didn't get this treatment. Right, I mean, he wasn't almost fired, or or did get fired, and then went on tear and got rehired. Right, I mean, he just he got to wrestle the next week on Raw, and that that was it, you know. So that 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 kind of is a discontinuity, you know. I, it makes sense in story because I mean, it's not obviously the first time Braun's gone on a tear and tried to murder people. We talk about it all the time. And that's what makes him so great, but. I agree, right? I mean, if you're in competition with the blue brand over there, you you don't want him to get this big star that you have, who arguably probably should be your world champion right now. But, um, you know, all that aside, I, I see your point, right? I mean, you don't want him going to the competition. I, there's some storyline, you know, breaks here and there. And, and honestly, kind of a weak storytelling device to keep Braun going. But, I mean, Braun looks fantastic after this so i can't really you know deny that this was a great idea for him to do he has to win at the rumble now right like i mean Mm -hmm. what's what's the point of him not winning at the rumble now because he's he's so over like what's (laughs) yeah let's let's strike now you know no i agree with you and and here's the thing when i watch a guy pick up a tractor trailer Mm -hmm. and just Tump it over, which I yeah I get it. It's a work, but it's it's still dear God, who's going to yeah, stop him? Exactly. Who is going to stop him? There is no kryptonite in sight at the moment, uh, and so that's what's what's so great about this guy. And I know it's a little bit of a hiccup for me with the thought process that he could be fired off the red brand, but I can get over that. That makes sense for the rest of the show for what they're doing here and for Stephanie to get a little bit more heat on Kurt Angle, right. which I think eventually leads to Kurt Angle down the line getting fired from Stephanie, which also leads to some other storylines for Kurt wrestling instead of just being a GM. Mm-hmm. And I think also it, it brings into play some of the other things that will mix in with the Jason Jordan stuff. So I, I, I think after tonight, I'm going to forget about this, and it's just going to be, oh, okay, yeah, I forgot about that. He's why did he even try to get fired? So, I think that's one of those things I just got to get over. I know it's this is not New Japan. This is not considered like an athletic thing where everybody in the news is going to be covering it. Uh, so here, here we go in the, the rest of this. Stuff. I got to mention this. Uh, it's kind of funny that he goes and destroys everything else, but he goes in the production truck. And just kind of halfway tittles around, <laughs> you know. He, he's destroying every single thing in this path. And he goes, "Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn this. How do I turn this off? How do I?" But he doesn't break any monitors. Doesn't break anything. My God, come on! Give us a fake set. Give us a fake thing where he just destroys the entire thing. And I get it; they can't take the raw off air. But uh, Brock Lesnar destroyed an entire announce team. Let Brom do something that's kind of like makes the rest of the show kind of. You know, look like, oh, man, look what he did. So mm-hmm. I, I, I 
can't take anything away from Braum. Did a great job tonight. He doesn't need to be the world champion, even though he should be, because he is so over right now. That title would, is just a decorative piece right now to Braum if he gains it here at Royal Rumble. If, if, just if you ask me. I, I think it would be legitimacy, because right now he's just big man tearing shit down, right? He wins the title. I think you 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 sort of legitimize him, and that that cements his position. Because um, I I would not say he's bona fide main eventer, right? I mean, I I'd say he's up and down near the top of the card, right? So, and I I I wanted to talk about the production thing too because it looked like such a carefully laid out plan. Like Braun's about to go on set, they're about to start the segment, and everybody's like, "All right, Braun, you can't touch anything. Don't touch anything." <laughs> Don't just go in there and scare them. Do not touch anything. <laughs> you, you can you can assault the young lady in the chair. Yeah. You can do the rest of that. But don't touch her monitors. Yeah. Don't touch anything else. You know? So paper, yeah. you, can, you can touch paper. That's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kevin Dunn is off limits. Do not yeah. even look at him. Don't, <laughs> don't even look that, that, that's that's Vince's play toy. Do not touch him. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree. It, it is kind of funny. It just kind of took me away from it a little bit. I'm like, come on, really? <laughs> really? What I would have loved to see is him get in the semi, drive the thing off, and run it into something or mm-hmm. back it into something. And just I, that's what I would love to see. But I understand it makes no sense because, well, Money Night Raw would go off the air if the production truck fails. So. It is what it is. Yeah, I, I would have been. You know how they used to do those like trailer pools at strongman competitions where they they have the harness and everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, he found a grappling hook last week. There's got to be one of those lying around. Let him tug the whole production truck outside of the arena or something. That'd be cool. Yeah, that's that. See, that'd be something else. Once again, a Mark Henry kind of thing yeah, there. Exactly. So I think you're right. I think it'd be, it'd be kind of fun. But you know, I, I think overall, I, I think I would give it about a seventy five percent. Thumbs up if, you know, we're talking about complete destruction here. So This is just, it's really enjoyable the whole way through. You can see most of this over on their YouTube channel, too. Uh, so if you missed Raw or you just want to see the good bits, because uh, I wish I was this excited to talk about the rest of the show, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're spending so much time on it, Paul. We, we yeah. want to talk about some good things before we get into some of the other, eh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So the the flip side of this sort of main event stuff going on is the continuing saga between Seth Rollins, Jason Jordan, and, and those tag team titles. Uh, so first up, we have to talk about this match. Sheamus and Cesaro, the bar, taking on Titus Worldwide, Titus O'Neil, Apollo Crews. And it, it's basically a, an extended version of what we got last week. Uh, Titus O'Neil and Apollo Crews win. Via a Jason Jordan distraction that allows Apollo to roll Sheamus up. So your tag team title challengers lose again to a team that hasn't really been doing much of anything. And it's a fluky win, obviously, right? So it's not going to do anything to help those guys out. And really all this does is is help Jason Jordan, um, which I'm fine with that. But this is 10 minutes of very boring wrestling. And I don't know how you make the bar that boring, Gary, but Titus Worldwide found a way. Yeah, and here's the thing that really bothers me. And of course, I'm definitely kind of sad that they bored me with the bar, but I think the biggest thing is we just had this discussion last week. And the whole time I'm watching the match, I'm thinking about you. And the reason it is is because of the fact that we had a situation twice in last week's Raw review where I said this should be 
from zero to 60. Mm-hmm. And you're like, give it time. That doesn't need to be that fast. And then all of a sudden, WWE's like, oh, we heard you, Gary. So instead of doing it to the people you want him to do it with, we're going to give it to Titus O'Neil <laughs> and his little buddy, Apollo Crews. So they were really terrible. They couldn't even beat the producers backstage. Now they're, um, they're defeating the, the biggest you know, and, and baddest of tag teams in Raw that, that they've had to offer for a little while until now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I... I I, I love the fact that Apollo Crews and Titus O'Neil are getting opportunities because I, I like both guys, right? I don't love them. I do like both guys, and I appreciate their talent. They have talent, especially Apollo Crews. I mean, mm-hmm. that guy, really underappreciated, if you ask me, really has something. It's just they don't know what to do. And this is the best they can come up with. And it, it is what that is. But I, I think it's a little weird for me to see them come in here, step up to the bar, and actually feel like they belong the entire way through. We talked about Gallows and Anderson. Oh, well, those guys, you know, they're not really anything because they've been jobbing for a little while now. Well, guess what? They still don't look great. But yet, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, the same guys on their same level look like they're ready for a tag team title run. Right. It's weird. It's very strange to me. And uh, it's not for the lack of loving or hating or anything like that on either side of these two teams that we're talking about right here. I just don't understand it. I don't know where they're going with it. Because Mm -hmm. are are we really going to make the bar a comedy act because we're using a comedy act against them? Boy, that's that's a great question. Uh, and, And honestly, I don't know. Because this entire thing with the bar and, and Titus Worldwide right now is basically just to add fuel to the fire for whatever they're doing with, with Jason Jordan. And, and certainly it feels like we have a more concrete direction for, for Jason after this and, and what we're going to talk about next year. But before we get off this match, you know, I, I don't know if you need to do all this um right now right it's it's the heart uh, i mean we're building up essentially to the heart of mania season and you're kind of getting one of your top tag teams on either brand off to a pretty shaky start here in 2018 i i'm with you i i like the people involved in titus worldwide but they haven't done anything that really necessitates you having to put them over against the bar here i kind of wish they maybe built them up a little more and you certainly need more focus on them because this is basically the only segments they're getting on TV, uh, even though they are getting a lot of the, the WWE.com segments or stuff that ends up on YouTube or, or whatever else you want to say for these guys. The main audience isn't seeing it, right? They're, they're not seeing all this growth or any chance for growth for these characters in these promos. So it just it feels wrong, right? I mean, and... Like I said, this is a fluky win, so it it doesn't necessarily maybe mean a whole lot, but two weeks in a row now Titus Worldwide's gotten one upped on the number one contenders um for the tag team titles. Like that's it feels wrong. It feels very, mm-hmm. very wrong. It really does, and like you said, there is a lot of things that'll be built pretty much from Royal Rumble on, right? Mm-hmm. And such an odd way to bring them into that mix. And who knows, maybe this is something that they're just doing so they can kind of fill a little time before they get to some of the bigger peaks mm-hmm. that is coming our way, and I hope that's the case. If they're doing this to build a tag team, that way that they can actually have more important tag teams on Raw, once again, not great wins because they're all flukes, but 
still they're given time opportunity here so i don't want to knee jerk react i don't want to freak out but i i'm like you i think the bar has proven that they deserve the respect they deserve the time and i just don't want to see this to further Mm -hmm. like they're doing now so we shall see paul but for right now i didn't really it didn't really excite me and i really felt like this was not something i wanted to see on this episode I, I agree. I agree entirely. And, and of course, like I said, it just might be fandom here getting in the way of logic. But yeah, that happens with me a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the interesting stuff here is in the post match. You have Seth yelling at Jason Jordan, uh, and he's upset because they're not on the same page, right? Jason Jordan is going off doing his own thing when he's supposed to be the tag champs with Seth. Uh, and, and this sort of gets to Jordan, who eventually meets with, with his dad, Kurt Angle, backstage, uh, who says, you know what, I've been keeping an eye on you just in case Braun does decide to come for you, but, you know, tonight I really want to help Seth Rollins um, after, you know, basically being responsible for the six-man loss last week in the main event, so um, I really want you to make Seth Rollins versus Finn Balor one-on-one which, of course, gets made because that's, I mean, Kurt Angle placates to, to Jordan. That's the story right now, so that's fine. We, we move on uh, later to the, to the main event of that match in question now because, oh, no, I'm sorry, first, uh, Jordan ends up meeting Seth Rollins, and they continue to argue a bit about the team, you know, their teammates, they're not talking to each other, they're not on the same page, and uh, all this other stuff. This brings us to the main event where you have, you know, all the extracurriculars are inside. Jason Jordan's there. Good Brothers are out there. And this is really well worked. Uh, they, they work the time well. The second half is phenomenal. Seth Rollins ends up busting out the blackout, which, of course, is the curb stomp to get the victory here. After Jason Jordan trips up Finn uh, to allow the victory to happen, and uh, there's a lot of scare here that Balor may have taken a concussion, but he's just selling the finisher because he's a pro. Uh, and, and, you know, this I don't have problems with, right? This this seems like a much easier, much better way of setting up what you wanted to do with Jason Jordan without really having to sacrifice the bar to the story. But, you know, I mean, Jason, uh, a little two-faced, you know? Willing to pay lip service to Seth and still wanting to go out and, and sort of prove it that he's his own man. Yeah, exactly. And the one thing that I'll say about this is right away is, oh my God, is Vince really not paying attention to Raw? Is he really is he on his phone looking up ideas of different color schemes for the new XFL? <laughs> um, the reason I say that is because he was dedicated and made sure forever now. Seth Rollins doesn't use that curb stomp. Mm-hmm. It's not supposed to be there. And all of a sudden, no, called the curb stomp. It's just the blackout now, which, you know, funny name too. I mean, it's not a bad name, but it's just kind of funny. They just changed the name of it. I don't know if that makes it less severe looking. <laughs> okay. Um, but so anyway, my point being is that's kind of funny, but I'll be, I was always a fan of, uh, of the curb stomp. So mm-hmm. if Seth Rollins gets it back, I, I will applaud them. I uh, that's great. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely better than anything else he was doing, including the pedigree. Um, that That's Triple H. I get it. But anyway, uh, so en- enough of me ragging on all that. I want to say this. I-, I love the idea and what they're doing with what's going on with Jason Jordan, right? And they're continuing it on. They've been doing this for a long time. We talk about this week in and week out, Paul. Jason Jordan's just leading down this line. He's becoming more selfish. This is about him. He ignores everybody else. 
he got the tag team titles because he 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 basically pushed his way in, right? Right. right. And then now, guess what? He's pushing his way in on other things, trying to push his way in on the shield, which really didn't work out for him. But hey, you know, he's going to gladly move on and do other things. And he's he's making his presence known. It's affecting his tag team partner Seth Rollins here. And if it wasn't for some outside interference with Seamus and Cesaro, if it wasn't for some other things to go on, I mean, it may have worked out bad for Seth Rollins, which really would have affected Jason Jordan. Jason Jordan kind of got the lucky break here mm-hmm. uh, because things fell into place for him. But still, that's going to bring up some more things. It's going to bring more problems for Seth Rollins down the road. So, yes, you're right. He's definitely a two-faced guy. It's all about himself, but yet he's talking and saying, hey, uh, I'm still – the biggest, best, baddest teammate you could have, Seth mm-hmm. Rollins. So, I, I actually I'm really enjoying it, and this is actually one episode that I didn't find Jason Jordan kind of uh, boring or uh, or just kind of like okay, he's good kid, but he still needs a lot of work. And this is one episode I kind of found myself intrigued on some of the things that he was bringing to the table, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, I'm happy with that. Uh, and, and then you move on and you talk a little bit about what's going on with the Ballard Club that they did find tonight. You know, like you said, a, a definitely a big professional in Finn Ballard. They, he did an excellent job. Honestly, should have won that match. Um, did a heck of a sell on the curb stomp. And oh, yeah. my God, how long at the end of the show do they have to sell that? I mean, you had finn sitting there it felt like 15 minutes that they had him on screen mm-hmm. i was like oh they have to fill this time what's going on i, I was thinking to myself just got the show short let end it 10 o'clock 11 o'clock eastern just end it it just let it go off air if you have to sit here and film him for 15 minutes it felt like 15 minutes just sitting there selling this whole concussion maybe it's supposed to mean something paul maybe i'm missing the point but i just thought that was a lot of dead time with him just sitting there with you know gallows and anderson just kind of dazed mm-hmm. you know i, know. I um I, I also forgot to mention that you have the bar run down and get into a brawl with everybody at ringside too to sort of pay uh pay back what happened earlier in the evening to them but on your point i two things to me, it would be much more effective in this day and age if you have, uh, you know, you have Seth and them sort of leave the ring and you have Finn sort of looking all dazed and out of it. You have medical personnel rush to the ringside area and that's when the cameras cut off. Like they quickly sign off and all that because n- now you're thinking something actually happened. You know, n- now you think mm-hmm. it's a little real. I think that sells it a little better. Uh, and I agree with you. They, they take a, a long I mean, it's probably five minutes, but I mean, it really does feel much longer. Really selling that that Finn is is uh, a little goofed up here, and to me, uh, and, and this is uh, credit to to Larry over there at four one one with his review too, that maybe Seth is willing to sort of toe that line with Jason, where he will do anything to win against these guys to continually prove that he is, you know, one of the top guys and and doesn't. It's sort of going back to the way he used to be, you know, before turning face and all that. So I, I find that kind of interesting. And if that's where they're going, then this is a real nice subtle way of starting that going down that road again of of Seth willing to basically crush people's heads in to win matches, which is great for me. So um, I, I'm all in on that idea if that's where they're going, especially if that's how they decided that they're going to break up the shield this go around is, you know, Seth is just going to be Seth. Uh, because mm-hmm. I think that works out well, and it certainly gives Jason Jordan somebody else to play off of 
as he sort of continues to grow. Because I agree with you. Like, I think he has something to offer, and it may not be this big role that he's in right now. Because he's very much the the crux of the whole story here now that uh, that the shield has sort of been split apart. Is Jason thinks he's involved in, in all this stuff and thinks he's obviously a bigger uh, a bigger man walking in the shoes that he has right now. But you know. There's something to this, you know. You can't say it's not interesting, and I and I think Jordan definitely holds up his own part in that. Yeah, I, yeah, and I totally, you know, think to myself every time I see him on the TV screen, oh boy, what is he going to say now? How silly is he going to be? Or mm-hmm. how unimpressed am I going to be? I mean, and then all of a sudden now, it does seem like he's learning. You know, it's, trust me, he's still got a long way to go. I'm exactly. not praising this guy to the moon. I, he's got a long way to go, but. At least I think they're giving him some of the right tools to work with now. Mm-hmm. The storyline is fitting him more and more, and I think you're right. Now that he's got Seth Rollins willing to do a little bit more than he would, means that he's rubbing off on Seth Rollins. Now, I I appreciate that for the fact that you're right. The shield is kind of dissolved because you got Ambrose injured. You got Reigns more concerned about everything else, especially leading up to you know WrestleMania. He always will be in a main event picture, mm-hmm. so it only makes sense for us to go down that path at the moment. And I'm okay with it. Anytime that Seth Rollins is aggressive, it means that he feels like he belongs in the main event picture again. Right. So that's a really good deal. Really happy with that. Um, and I you know want to see more of what's going to happen now. And that's something that's going to be kind of odd because I'll be honest with you. This has not been the biggest storyline that I've just been over the moon about, really excited about it, just kind of following it and seeing where it goes. Mm-hmm. Now I, I kind of want to see more of it, and I actually have a lot more vested interest in what they're doing. Um, and also, really quickly here about Finn Balor, I think about that selling point and how much that they put emphasis on that. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that Finn Balor goes darker? Do we see that injury take him down a different path, Mm -hmm. saying to himself, you know, F being this sweet, nice guy, I'm going to be that guy that started the Bullet Club Mm -hmm. uh, to go back to his roots and just be a complete heel with the Gallows and Andersons and and, and see what they do together as a team. I think he fits better if he's on the same level as those guys when it came to heel mentality. So that that's really interesting. And I hadn't thought of that uh, because I mean, we, we have seen them use this, this device recently too. And sort of how we got to, to Woken Matt Hardy, where not only was he losing constantly, but he took, you know, we'd see him take a big blow and he'd be bleeding from the mouth or something. And suddenly he's, he's got all those mannerisms going for him. So um, if this sort of leads to a shift to maybe his old uh, real rock and roll uh, gimmick he had in New Japan when he turned heel there at the formation of the Bullet Club, that would be very, very interesting, especially if that means we can get the Good Brothers uh, up and rolling and, and being their, their nasty selves when, when they want to be, because I mean, as fun as these guys are, um, I, I think they're very effective heels, so I, I, I'm, I'm down for all of that, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it just makes this entire tag division better. Mm-hmm. Think exactly. about how great this tag division will be once you get the revival all back involved, and now you get them going stronger. You've even got, I get, you know, I hate to say it, but Titus Worldwide 
mm-hmm. it's a bigger threat involved in this. I mean, th- this could end up being a really strong point on watching Raw on Monday nights is that tag division, if they are able to build these tag teams and make them matter. So just, just a thought, and you know, I would love to see that different variation of Finn. I, I agree entirely, too. Um, I was going to make another point, but I've forgotten it, so it can't have been that important. So let's move uh, on. <laughs> you bring it up later, but if you think of it, just bring it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so so we move on um, to the other side of the shield equation, and uh, Elias is out singing a song. He is now targeting John Cena in the Royal Rumble since uh, it looks like Samoa Joe uh, is out injured, and, and I, I don't know if it's confirmed yet or not that he's going to be missing the Rumble yet, but... You have that sort of storyline thread in there during all this. Uh, his singing, of course, means that we're about to see The Miz and The Miz Siraj. And Miz gets another promo here, basically, I, I don't want to say rehashing, but just stating why he is who he is. Big IC title match next week, obviously, on Raw 25. This week, Roman Reigns faces off against Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel. This is a prolonged squash, and that might be generous. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, nearly eight minutes it takes for Roman Reigns to overcome the odds here, but he, of course, he he finally does. Hey, yeah, this is uh, all about Roman. It's about showcasing him, and yeah, I get it. You know, they're trying to make the Mister look like they're worth something, mm-hmm. and letting them kind of get a little offense on Roman. But you know, it, it, let's be honest. In the end. This is all about making the Miz Taraj look like stumbling idiots. Right. It, it just really was. Even the Miz, you know, him circling the ring, backing and falling down, you know, the normal Ric Flair, you know, oops, I tripped over my feet um, thing. So I, I think, you know, this is a fine thing to do, but I'm sorry, it's not selling me on this IC title match next Monday night. Right. Right. I, I love The Miz, and mm. I usually love him on the mic, but you said it right when you said it was rehash. It really is rehash. All the things Miz said I could have watched in a two-minute video package. Um, I mean, it's basically stuff he said all last week, too. Yeah, you're exactly mm. right. So I get it. There's only so much you can say about one thing, about the the same exact topic, but I think for me, I just kind of felt like, this is filler and they're just trying to make their way to that big show to this big match that they're supposed to have. I'm okay with all that, but I didn't really get anything out of this. I hate to say it because I love miss. I love, love, love miss. I just did not get anything out of the Mr. Roger or even Roman tonight. So, no, I mean, I, I agree with you. Most of this show to me, uh, really feels like, just trying to get another episode in the can before they hit the big one, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, to, to that point too, you have, uh, before we move on to sort of the, the, the divisional stuff here, um, the revival squash, uh, a couple jobbers here in about a minute and a half, uh, which they must be listening, Gary, because we mentioned that the revival, wh- where did they go? Uh, and here they are finally. Uh, <laughs> and they yeah. made a promo afterwards talking about, they're not they're not sports entertainers, they're not worried about social media or video games or, or any of the other extracurriculars. They want to win matches and they want to be the best wrestlers that they can and uh, th- they are not going to change this even you know no matter who's telling them to and all this sort of like anti-establishment guys, which I think is is um, a neat idea because they certainly are not in the 
in the mold of what you certainly get in, in current modern-day WWE guys. Um, and next week they plan on proving that this is their universe um, on Raw 25. So uh, interesting to see what they're going to do with these guys next week. Yeah, I mean, I, I really want to see what legendary team they'll be facing. Uh, you know, it, it probably will be the New Age Outlaws. They already mentioned them. Uh, but I wish it was a Rock and Roll Express. That'd be fun. Uh, just to see what would happen with that. Uh, but, you know, there's some other things in play there. And I, I love the fact, like you said, we've been looking for the revival. They're finally back. And for them to, to get this chance, to get the opportunity to get on the mic and, and to spout this out and let people know who they are and what they are about, to me it's important because people need to realize that the revival are here. Right. And they're a young team that's going to hopefully be here for a long time. And I really want to see more out of them because I'm a big follower of theirs. I love what they do, and I've seen a lot of their matches that really prove to me that they are definitely worthy of being at this level. So I just I, I will say this. At least they got a match in. It was a squash, but they got a match in. They got a promo, which means hopefully they do have plans for these guys, and they want these guys to succeed. So mm-hmm. let's let's hope that continues on, and I really want to see what goes on with those guys. Right, right, exactly. Uh, and I guess I better mention this because this is just a, a very little bit of nothing uh, before we move on to the other stuff. Uh, Woken Matt Hardy squashes Heath Slater. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I'll say this. Heath, Heath and then, uh, Rhino um, have a little – this is what you – I'm trying to think what kind of storyline you would call this. A very minor storyline on Monday Night Raw Weekly. Yeah, it's like uh, a C-level storyline. Yeah. You know, like TV shows, you got the A story and the B story. This isn't even a B story. <laughs> This is like when you when you're watching. Uh, oh, I don't know what they well, some kind of. I, I don't even watch this show, but Grey's Anatomy, where someone brings a cup of coffee to some girl at the desk, and it's weekly that happens, mm-hmm. and you find out that oh, they're in love or something like that. That that's that's what you'd equate this to. See, I, I I'm I don't even know Grey's Anatomy anyway. Uh, but my point of all this thing is, I think that Woke and Matt Hardy is going to hopefully do bigger, better things. But right now, once again. They can't use a lot of time for this because they're getting ready for a Raw 25, right? So mm-hmm. they're just setting that up. At least, at least Matt Hardy got a match. That's the same with the he rival. Did. At least they got a match. Um, and, and before we move on to something else, I have to mention this. You, we talked about Elias already, but I, I want to say Elias is talking about getting rid of John Cena in that Rumble. Mm-hmm. It'd be hilarious if Cena eliminated Elias and then Samoa Joe surprises and eliminates Cena. So I that hope that happens. Cool. I hope it happens. Yeah, I mean, we just got to hope Joe is basically ready um, to go for the Rumble and then maybe takes a break after that or something to let that foot heal. So, Yeah. Uh, and, and real quickly, uh, before we move away, t- to me, this is – it feels like with, with Hardy and Wyatt now, they're sort of playing for time, right, because we're in this big season uh, going towards the big show. And it honestly, like, I don't think the Hardy Wyatt feud's going to go anywhere anytime soon. And maybe we get one of these big, um, Great War, uh, sort of matches between Hardy and, and Wyatt at WrestleMania just because they can go over the top with the production and everything like that. And it just screams WrestleMania stuff. Um, so, and sort of doing this makes me feel like we're kind of heading in that direction. I think that's great. And, if it happens on that stage, I just hope that they let this thing work in a 
natural way. I hope they don't stretch things, and I hope there's no more holograms for this year WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Fuck, I just to be honest with you. Um, but just think of that crowd. The crowds that show up for WrestleMania are deep, geeky, loving wrestling fans. And that's great. That's what WrestleMania is. That's what makes WrestleMania awesome. So they're going to know Woken Matt Hardy. They're going to know Broken Matt Hardy. Just imagine the pop the crowd's going to give if Vanguard 1 drops a, something to help Matt Hardy in that mm-hmm. match or something. Just, oh, my God, that crowd is going to pop. So that's, to me, the end game, hopefully, or not maybe even the end game, but at least the pinnacle of that feud, slow burn it. Like you said, yeah. let's slow burn this. Let's make this last because I think once you get some of the bigger moments, let WrestleMania be that minute and that second that people just, uh, just talk all week long about this one moment. And that's what's going to happen, hopefully, if they do that slow burn. So hopefully you're right, Paul. Hopefully they're just taking this break and they can do it and they need to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's also worth mentioning that over on uh, Matt Hardy's YouTube page that he has a video of him resurrecting Vanguard 1, uh, which is wonderful. So, <laughs> Oh, my God. i got to see this. I have it's not great. seen that yet. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yes. Uh, it, it's a little brief thing. I think it's like 45 seconds, but, but it's it's great. Uh, let's, uh, let's go and talk about the Cruiserweights here real quick. Um, you have Enzo show up with, with Tony Nese. Uh, doing his usual stuff and promises to to walk out of the rumble with the cruiserweight title. This allows uh, Cedric to come out with his own hype man in Goldust, who calls Enzo straight to DVD while Cedric is a blockbuster. Gary, uh, and then this gets us to Cedric beating Tony Nese for what feels like the twenty thousandth time since this feud has started. Yeah, I I'll be honest, Paul. Right now. I hate to say this. I really do because I'm, you know, a big proponent of rooting for some of these guys. I'm a Tony Nese fan. I'll say it right now. I like him. I know there's a lot of people out there. Maybe you're one of them. Don't really see it, but I I think Tony Nese has something. Cedric Alexander has something. Uh, but but the huge but in this is right now that doesn't feel right. Right now it doesn't matter, and I, I think the crowd and the live audience felt that way. I think a lot of people at home were just kind of huh, okay because, like you said, twenty thousandth time, mm-hmm. Cedric Alexander lumbar check. Oh, he wins again. Good job, golf clap for you, Cedric Alexander. And that's exactly what the crowd gave him. They just. We're not into this. It got so quiet yeah. during that match at some times. I, I, I just didn't know what to do. I, I kind of started getting nervous because it was so quiet on my TV. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it, the, the one thing I will say is I really wanted Goldust to have that guy that he wanted to shine a light on his project. I, Cedric Alexander doesn't feel right. I just That was not what I wanted. And I hate to say that, too, once again, but it just it was so corny. Didn't feel good. I'm... All the way around, man, I'm just not into this. I mean, how many times can Cedric beat up the Zotrain before it gets old? The answer is a month and a half. Uh, so <laughs> that's, that's a one, where we're at. <laughs> a two, a three. That's what I felt. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's, there's not many licks in that Tootsie Pop. Uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's done pretty quickly. Exactly, exactly. And, and, you know, I mean, we have to wait another what, two weeks before we get any sort of hopeful closure because I mean, they really need to move on with this, whether Cedric wins the title or not, I think is sort of secondary for this division to sort of get out of whatever rut it's in or, you know, it, it, it just needs to move on whether it's a new title holder or not. So, 
I mean, do, you, do you agree with me on the whole Goldust thing? Though I was really looking forward to Goldust having someone bigger and better to to work with, and now I just don't. The center center's great for what he does, but I don't fit, feel like that's a. I don't feel like it's a fit. You know, I I like the pairing. Um, I guess I'm going to go back to my old argument of last week. Here. We just got to be patient. It's like three weeks old, you know. <laughs> and like, I, I get it's it. It's very much a side story too. The the cruiserweight's obviously not a focus. There's no way this is going to get as much light as. It would have been if Goldust had actually found his his next you know masterpiece to work on during those video packages um, after his feud with our truth, where he was you know seemingly made a face turn uh, backstage because we don't know why he's being a good guy now because last time we saw him before this he was not a good guy. <laughs> yeah, it just it, I mean, this guy is kind of becoming Big Show, right? <laughs> face heel, face heel, face heel. They don't know what they're doing with him. So yeah. break out the eh. crusty doll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Okay, so uh that leaves us uh to talk about the ladies who have a whole heap of stuff going on. Uh f- first off, they announced a whole slew of divas for Raw 25. You got Kelly Kelly and Jackie and, and the Bellas, Terry Reynolds, Michelle McCool, Maria, Tori Wilson all showing up for Raw 25. Uh I'm seeing red carpets, Gary. And um, I don't know if I really like that that's the way this event's going to go down, but that's what it feels like so far. Yeah, I think you're right on that. And, okay, so I I love the idea of, you know, of course, having the Women's Royal Rumble. I think it's really important. I think it's a, co- it's a, cool, it's a cool deal. I'm not hating on that. But at times, I feel like they're making that a sideshow. Mm-hmm. And I think it's... I hate to say it too, but they're trying to make it overshadow the men's Royal Rumble in the way it feels like it at least. And I don't care. I mean, I get it. You know, this is something new. It needs to be special. And yes, I agree. But boy, it feels like that's the center piece of this show. And I know when we get to the Rumble, it probably won't be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I hate to say that because I think people will maybe be like, oh, wow, I was really underwhelmed by that match. And I don't think it's about being underwhelmed. I, I just think that they're blowing it up so big that. That ceiling is only so high. So, uh, yeah, I'm right there with you. I really don't need the red carpets and all that, but I, you're right. It, it feels like it's going to be a whole thing, like a Miss America pageant or something like that. And I think that's kind of going against what they wanted. I thought the whole point of this Women's Royal Rumble match was to be just like the boys and just do their thing, fight hard and, and get in there and try to get their opportunity. Mm-hmm. And, and this is um – this is going to be a, a very large knock. One one point we've we've made on here before, and that is, uh, when in doubt with booking the women right now, just book them towards history, and that's going to get them excited, right? Because any time they've done that, it's been a huge success. No, that that was sorry. <laughs> yeah, I would say I was thinking to myself, yeah, no, 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 <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, and, and that's the problem I think with the Royal Rumble match in general now is that it's become such a thing. That they don't really worry about trying to book stories around it anymore. Like, and I'm going to go back to the Attitude Era, but it does go further back than that. You have, you know, Austin and, and McMahon's big feud culminating at, at the Royal Rumble uh, in 99, which admittedly was not a great Rumble match overall, but it had story and, and all this other stuff going into it. And you had uh, the year before that with Austin believing he had a target on his back, so going so far as to take a Sharpie and, and draw a bullseye on his chest. It's... uh. You know, it's, it was stories like that that I think helped you gravitate towards that match. And, you know, not only was the Rumble always cool, but you had stories going into it. I don't think you have that 
for either the men or the women. And for the women, it's less so because like it's now it's just about history. It's not about really anything else. And you look at you're right exactly about that. I'm not going to disagree with those points. Uh, the one thing I will say though is you also think about the fact that each of these rumbles, you know, have minor stories going into them, right. but nothing that sticks out so much. And I, I feel like once again with the women's royal rumble, you're depending on some of those legends a little bit more than you should. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a kind of a step back because I thought this was about the future, right? You're right. doing history, but you're supposed to be doing history with the future as the main source of why you're excited about it. And it feels like that is not the case. If you're getting excited about Terry Reynolds coming back, um, yeah. Uh, so I mean, I'm not, not saying it's, it's cool to see her. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But it had been like when Diamond Dallas Page appeared in the Royal Rumble what, two years ago, and that was like, oh my god, this is why I watched the Rumble. No, that's not why. You just wanted to see who was going to win, and you were excited because there's lots of other young guys in there. So I don't know. Maybe I'm just kind of overdoing this whole thought process for myself, but I just feel like they're focusing on the wrong things going into exactly. this. Yeah, I'm not any less excited for the Women's Rumble just because it it is a big deal, but you're not booking anything towards it to make it feel important other than history. And um, the first Hell in a Cell, the first cage match on TV, the first, I mean, the the amount of firsts that they've had these girls do and hype up the fact that it's just a first isn't good enough, Uh, and, and they don't seem to have learned that lesson. And that that's a real problem. So it just concerns me, Paul. The end of 2018, beginning of 2019, how are they going to book this? Because they're going to break all the history. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to do everything. when they run out of first, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, the second. The second one's just as good as the first, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, no sophomore slumps here. Yeah. <laughs> um. So so let, let's finally get on with this. Asuka takes on Nia Jax here, which was set up with, with Nia's attack on Asuka last week. They go about 10 minutes, and I, I've, I enjoyed this. You have both of them, I really think, getting a chance to show off their strengths. Both of them at times getting to look dominant. Uh, finally, they end up working their way to the outside. Uh, Nia climbs up on the steps, and Asuka sort of trips her up on there by kicking her in the back of the knee and sort of hanging her up in there. And while Nia beats the count back in so she doesn't lose that way, she can't stand. She can't put any weight on the knee. So the referee calls the match off, and Asuka wins to retain her winning streak on all that going forward. Um, but I thought this was nice. I mean, they both look strong, and, and it just Asuka looks the more deadlier for this. And, and um, this is going to tie into a bunch of stuff going forward after this match. But what would you think of, of all this before we move on? Yeah, you know, I, I will say this. I really thought that this was a, a credit to both ladies. I think you're right. The one of my favorite matches on the show. I, I, I it's weird to say this. I mean, really, a, a match that you sat there holding your breath. And for Oscar, and I think a little bit for the fans who like Nia Jax, which I, I, I think that Nia Jax has something. And going forward, you don't want to see her taking a lot of losses. I think that kind of affected her in NXT a little bit when they kind of started to kind of make her lose a, a few of the big matches matches that she was involved in right. and it made her kind of less important and they don't do that here uh and they make her feel really strong i mean at times you really thought oh this could be the end for oscar i i i think the angle works i think everything they had going here made sense i like the match so for me uh one of the highlights of the night exactly exactly 
Um, so in, in the post-match here, you have a whole bunch of people run down to check on Naya, including Alexa Bliss. Uh, we go backstage a little later on where Alexa apologizes to Naya for getting her involved in, in her business, essentially. Uh, and this ties into the Enzo feud who shows up and, and Bliss tries to to get him to go away. But Naya wants him to, to stick around and, you know, play caregiver and all that, which, you know, gag unto me with a spoon. But whatever. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh yeah. Uh, any thoughts on that? Sorry. Yeah, really quickly. Uh, you know, apparently, when you, you there's only so many bliss blocks you have. Apparently, <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah, you you must only get one. Uh, so, I note to self: if I ever want to use a bliss blocks, make sure it counts. Right. Exactly. Um. So I mean, and I, I do like the ideas they had going here too. That you know, when love is involved, friendships don't matter, mm-hmm. and. Uh, that's what kind of comes down here. And yes, this is kind of icky, kind of, I don't want to say gross, but it's kind of weird. Uh, Enzo and worried. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think they did a, a good service to continue the storyline. I think it's really going to mean a lot down the line between Jax and bliss. And the one thing I will say that I'll, really probably the only thing I'm going to knock is they spent a lot of time hanging the camera right there in front of them. And they just sat there and stared at each other. Just kind of like, uh, what do we say now? Like, you know, it's it's just two people sitting there. We're both injury prone. Okay, we've got nothing else. <laughs> I, what matters is we're standing, we're sitting in the same room together. That's what matters. It's the energy we share instead of them having a conversation to finish out that segment. I just thought that was a little awkward. You know, uh, maybe they're just people who don't need to have a conversation to enjoy each other's company. You know, there's people out there like that, Gary. Uh, that's called a silent treatment at my house. <laughs> love is love, Gary. Yeah, that, that, is a, that usually means I'm in trouble and my night is not going the way I want it. You know, they've also had the past month of getting interrupted, so maybe they were just finally happy to be alone together for two minutes. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, that's true. Good point, Paul. <laughs> uh, fast forward, Sasha Banks takes on uh, Sonia Deville. Uh... And all the extracurriculars that are ringside, Mickey James, Bailey, Mandy Rose, and Paige. And commentary here officially confirms that Paige is out of the Royal Rumble match. They don't say anything about her not wrestling anymore, which which is the word going around that WWF is not going to clear her going forward. Um, they just say she's out of the Rumble match. So the, an interesting note there. Uh, but Sonya Deville ends up beating Sasha here in about two and a half minutes or so. Um, clearly with Paige being out of the picture now, you have to have a big directional shift with Mandy and Sonya. I think this was the right move. Uh, having it be Sasha, if you're in on the story, might mean a little bit to you too, but, um, I, I think, I think this is just a smart idea, right? Getting, getting the rest of Absolution going, because like, like I said, the, the whole story so far has been about Paige. You have to shift that now, and this, this might be, uh, where that starts. They're probably forced into this, mm-hmm. and you know, being forced into things sometimes don't feel good. But in the end, it pays off, and right. I, I think you're onto something here, Paul. I think you are, and it seems like at the end of this whole thing, when the dust settled, Deville looked like she mattered exactly, and like she has an opportunity to go for it from here and do other things besides just stand around and clap for Paige. And do a little bit of offense and then get back out of the ring. Now we feel like, oh, wow, she could technically 
beat any of the three on the other side of the ring, you know, Mickey James, Bailey, or Sasha. So I, I think that's a good thing. Also, very interesting to me that they gave DeVille a makeover, it seems. Um, without the tying the hair up thing, you know, it's kind mm-hmm. of interesting. She didn't do that. She didn't look like she came out. Um, I'm trying to think of the PC way into saying this, but she came out not looking so much like an MMA fighter as right. usual. Yeah. So uh, that's a nice way of saying that. Uh, so I think you know it's it's cool to see that there is an evolution coming with absolution. You mm-hmm. get it. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, two factions, just one's a women's team. Uh, but anyway, I, I think really honestly, in all seriousness, yeah, I think you're on to something. They've got to do it, and they did it with Mandy last week. It's right. it's now it's time for you know Deville to do her thing. So it, it's good, and progress is not something I'm going to knock. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And we'll talk more about the whole page situation over on our main W2M episode part one uh, for 282, uh, which will be up in the dock later, hopefully. Um, so, yeah, I, I, that that covers it for this episode of Raw, Gary. Uh, it's also Martin Luther King Day as well, so they, they have a lot of videos um, supporting, uh, you know, going over his, his life and his fight for equal rights, as well as some of the WWE stars visiting... Uh, the Martin Luther King Museum and his assassination site and a whole bunch of other stuff as well. We also get the official word now, Gary, that Goldberg going in the Hall of Fame. All cool stuff there. Yeah, very glad. And uh, we'll talk more about the Goldberg thing. We did a little bit last week. I'm sure we'll mention it again uh, now that it's officially confirmed on the regular episode. But I will say my piece just quickly here is I was a big Goldberg fan growing up. Uh, he really kind of got me into this world of wrestling. So. Mm-hmm. I cannot deny that, and I will say that he is definitely worthy of the Hall of Fame in my book. So, really good job on uh, WB and making that decision. And uh, Martin Luther King, uh, you're talking about history. That That's definitely one of the biggest historical figures in my book as well. Mm-hmm. Really, really glad that our nation takes a day in his name uh, to celebrate him and to celebrate his uh, accomplishments and the things that we're still like, feeling to this day because of that man, it means a lot. And I'm yep. so happy and so happy that WB takes that time and gives it the full due justice and full due time that that man deserves. So big credit, applause to that as well. Absolutely. So, uh, man, do I, I guess I got to rate this, Paul. That's, and, uh, that is what it's time for. You know, I, I'd love to give it a point extra just because of the Martin Luther King stuff. But, I mean, I'll base it just on the wrestling. I'm, I, I, I think there's a few things here that I could sit here and say, great job on Braun Strowman. Good job, as always, making this guy look like a, a million bucks. Mm-hmm. Really good job, Asuka and Nia Jax, the whole match. Big surprise for me. I didn't think it ended up being as good as it was. Uh, really glad to see the revival blood back and all that kind of stuff. I think, though, besides the Braun Strowman storyline, I just kind of felt a little ho-hum on a majority of this show. Mm-hmm. And for me, that means it's below average. I I don't think it was a terrible show, but I don't think it was a grand show. I am going to go a six. Uh, there's a lot of just trying to get through to the next week, uh, which, of course, is a big show, Raw 25, that they've put a lot of effort into making sure you're aware is happening. Um, and it should be a really cool event. And like I said last week, I'm, I'm super excited to watch it. I'm a, 
I started watching Raw when it first came on. I, I fell in love with the Manhattan Center venue that they used all the time. It's just such a very cool, different sort of place to, to watch wrestling um, and all that. And, and all that aside, I, like I said, I love the Braun Strowman story despite its flaws um, when, you, when you think about it. I think the Seth Rollins Finn Balor match is very good. Oscar, all that. Like, there's a lot of good storytelling. There's not a lot of stuff that really keeps you hooked, though. It is a big problem to me. This felt very middle of the road, going five. Ah, okay, that's fair enough. So there we go, and you know, just a little bit less than me. And I think that you know, once again. Uh, we're pretty close, and I think that uh, hopefully next week is going to be a bang-up show and a five and a six. It's not going to be even close to the rating we'll be giving at Raw 25 next week. Exactly. I, uh, I'm i a little bit on the nervous side that we're going to be giving it maybe an eight or a nine, uh, and I hope that's the case. They I really do. so much stuff booked for that show, too. All the stars from, from last, you know, from, from days gone by, and, um, you know, you have the IC title match, and Lord knows whatever else they're going to do over at the Manhattan Center as far as what could be happening as far as WrestleMania's looking and, and stuff like that, too. So should be an immense show. I, I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to it. If it's anywhere as fun as Raw 1000 was, mm-hmm. it's it's going to be spectacular. I agree. I mean, that, I still will say this moment, that it, it, Raw had me at one moment for sure, and that's when he Slater was doing his gimmick against the Legends at that Raw. So I think, fun. And when Lita came out to have that whole thing go down with her and the APA, that was a blast. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to a special moment that I'll never forget on this Raw 25. So be with us next week. Do not miss our Raw review for Raw 25. We are going to have so much fun. It, it may be a two-hour show, folks. I'm sorry if it is. It might be, though, because we have a lot of fun. We usually spend about an hour on this regular every week. Mm-hmm. So yeah, probably be a two-hour one. Yeah. So, but anyway, uh, we are going to be, uh, you know, of course, having a lot more fun. Don't miss us. We are going to be having a Wrestling of the Max episode 282, part one that Paul just mentioned a minute ago. We'll be doing that this week. Uh, so be looking forward to that on your dock, wherever you're downloading us. And also later on this week, we'll have part two. That'll be really cool. So we're going to be doing a lot of great topics on the quick hits. We'll be also jumping into some ring of honor so don't miss that episode and the way to find us every week is through the w2m network and of course just search us out on wrestling of the max both places are where we are when it comes to the we're looking for your podcast if you hit that subscribe button though you don't have to worry about it we're always there with you we are excited about having an opportunity to show you every single thing that we have to offer everything that we bring so make sure you hit the subscribe button also don't forget to rate and review we appreciate those that have already done that W2Net.com. That's also a big place to find our content and all the other great content with our friends and our partners and all the other great wrestling podcasts that are out there that the W2M Network has to offer. Trust me, the Running Wild podcast is there. You have Wrestling Unwrapped. You've got all these other great podcasts that are sitting there ready for you to go check out. I didn't even name half of them, so mm-hmm. go check them out now. Uh, also, make sure you go find uh, over at 411mania.com and last word on prowrestling.com. More great wrestling content. They offer a lot, too. They've got some great articles over there, lots of great reviews that you guys will want to read. So make sure you go check out both those sites as well. They support us, so let's support them. I am Gary Vaughn, and he is Paul Leeser, and we will catch you guys down the road. Have a good one, guys. The previous podcast is a W2Mnet.com original podcast. For more great content like this, 
go to w2mnet.com for the worlds of wrestling, video games, entertainment, and sports.